Hello, hello. Welcome back to Leading Women in Tech. How are you doing? How's September? How is your fall if you're in the Northern Hemisphere? How is your spring? I know some ladies in the Southern Hemisphere right now who are so excited for spring. Um, I, I love this about the work I do that I get to work with women all over the world because I feel like I'm ready for autumn. I'm ready for the leaves to be changing. It's definitely cooler in the evenings here. Today's a really beautiful day, but um, it's definitely a lot cooler in the evenings. And so it's just, it's fascinating to see the flip side of that, which is they've just had a winter and they're just so ready for spring. Oh, so fun. Um, anyway, I've got a few little exciting updates for you today. Um, mainly, I just want to share some wins of the amazing women I get to work with. I think sharing wins is such a powerful thing to lift us all up. Uh, one of the things I actually do in my group coaching, which I do both in my one-on-one, they get access to a VIP group coaching thing, but also my academy, they get access to a, a group coaching once a month. But in all of these group coaching sessions, I always like to start with sharing wins because one of the things I see happening, and I know this about myself, having I'm in a, I'm in a group coaching program with my coach. And one of the things I see happening when we celebrate each other are two things that are really, really important. The first is when other people celebrate us, we get a sense of perspective we don't get by ourselves. <laughs> so for me, I know sometimes I'm like, oh, have I got anything to celebrate this week? And my coach will be like, come on, Tony, what are we celebrating? And I'll find something. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So first of all, it gives me, like, I have to search for something. And there's always something. In fact, quite often I'm like, oh my gosh, actually I've got four or something like that. They're all quite small. You know, sometimes they're great things, but a lot of the time they're quite small. And that's totally okay. And that perspective I get from my peers who are celebrating me and saying, oh my gosh, that's extraordinary. And I'm just like, really? Why? <laughs> but then I hear them celebrate something a couple of weeks later, which is basically the same. And I'm like, holy heck, that is extraordinary. And it gives us that perspective. So it makes you search stuff and it gives you that perspective. And I think that's just so powerful. And the second thing it does, which I, which is one of the reasons I'm showing on the podcast today, some wins, is it gives other women something to be excited about. And I think a lot of the time we don't talk enough as women in tech about the good things. It's very easy to focus on how crappy the situation is. It's certainly one of the reasons I set up Women in High Performance Computing many, many years ago now. It's because I went to an event which was the only thing at the time about women in HPC. And I just felt like it was an opportunity to complain. And well, there is a place for that cathartic outlet that don't get me wrong I think we do need the ability to acknowledge how awful sometimes the situations are absolutely it's one of the things I do one-on-one -on -one with my clients I prefer them not to bring it to the group although we do sometimes sometimes that's a very important thing to do but in general I, I do that one-on-one -on -one with my clients to help them move out of it faster we do need that space don't get me wrong but if all we do is spend our time then nothing changes and so I feel very strongly that we need to celebrate the good stuff more to give us that perspective, to give us hope, to give us optimism. We all need that. The world is changing. Technology is better. Like as somebody who works in the women in tech space, has done my entire career, cares very deeply about it, both as a woman in tech and as somebody working on the representation of women in tech, I have been benchmarking it, right? For over a decade now, I've been looking at the numbers myself, not to mention looking at other people's research in it. And it can be both really depressing at how slowly things are changing and actually also really optimistic. So it all depends on the lens you look at it through. I mean, if I listen to some of the stories of my parents' generation, the women at that age, like, it's horrific what they went through. No, don't get me wrong. Like, 
it's completely horrific and unacceptable some of the stuff we are going through right now too. But we have moved forward. And I think sometimes we need that lens to move forward with optimism because optimism is what allows us to really change things. And I talked about optimism before on the podcast. But yeah, that's why, why I wanted to share some wins today. So that's a long way of explaining that. some wins. So let me just share a couple that I am just so excited about. So we are six weeks into the Academy beta test. Um, if you were listening to the podcast a couple of months ago, I announced that I was going to do a beta test of a, a slightly new version of the Academy. Obviously, we launched back in January, but it was really designed as a course. And what I realized is that the course alone is not enough, that what actually every single one of you needs is coaching. I can't coach you all one-on-one. <laughs> I'd love to, but one, you can't all afford it and I can't afford to give it for free. But also, I don't have the time. I care so passionately about this community. So anyway, I wanted to bring in coaching and I wanted to really test out models that works. And that's what the beta test has been about. We're six weeks into the beta, so we're halfway through. And then, by the way, I will be opening doors. So go over to tonycollis.com forward slash academy and get yourself on the wait list if you want to join. But we're having amazing results amazing results. So one lady has negotiated a, I mean, she was already interviewing when she joined the academy. Um, but what she has done is negotiated a package that is, has a base salary above the cap she was told they would never go above. Holy heck, isn't that amazing? See, I just, if you were in the process of negotiating and they're telling you this cap, still negotiate, right? The worst thing they can say is no. Well, the worst thing they can do is retract the offer. If they do that, that's a good thing because they're kind of toxic. <laughs> so you'll want to know that up front. So believe me, negotiate, negotiate, negotiate every single time. So that's one win. Another lady has been interviewing for some jobs. She's a relatively new, she's got a relatively new position and she wasn't sure she really wants it. So she's exploring the market. It's a hot market now, right? In North America. Um, and so she got a job offer that was really, really good. She didn't really want the job, right? She was somebody, I mean, she's not unique in this. Like, I'm not giving anything away here because I have dozens of women in this situation in my network. Right, she didn't really want the job. So what she did was she used it as a negotiation tool. And I mean, I don't want to give away too many details, but holy heck, this woman has landed herself in a much better situation just by using the offer to take to her current employer. And I've seen this so many times. So we're celebrating that this week. Uh, we're celebrating people just giving themselves the, the time and space, which actually is one of my favorite celebrations. Self-care is always one of my favorite celebrations. I'm here for the big stuff, don't get me wrong. But I think the small stuff is what allows the big stuff. So I am down with taking time for yourself at the weekend, going have a massage or a manicure, or whatever your favorite thing is. My favorite thing, reading a book all weekend. That's what I just did this last weekend. Read books all weekend. <laughs> just so good to have the time and space to do that. So gosh, we're doing so well in the academy. Um, I, I just cannot wait to open doors. So if this, by the way, sounds like something you want, make sure you go over to tonycollis.com forward slash academy. Get yourself the wait list. Be the first to know when doors open so you can put in place what you need in order to join. Ask your employer. If you want help, by the way, asking your employer to pay for it, message me. I will be making something public at some point to make that an easier ask for you. But I've already got all the pieces of the puzzle in place. So if you want a PDF guide to how to ask your employer to pay for the academy, let me know <laughs> because I can get you moving forward with that before doors even open. Wouldn't that be so cool? Okay, but today I want to deal with the burnout myth. Now, let's just clarify. 
deliberately chose the burnout myth as the episode title because burnout is a thing, but there are a lot of misconceptions around it. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Let me explain. I've had so many conversations about burnout over the years, in particular recently, I think with the move towards working back in the office, there's a lot of competition in the market. A lot of people, again, are leaning into this burnout's caused by working long hours. I actually did an interview with somebody else's podcast last week. I don't know what it's going to air, but, um, and I, I called the, the host out on this. I was like, burnout is not caused by working long hours. It's correlation, not cause and effect. And this is the myth I want to deal with. Burnout is not caused by working crazy hours. What burnout is caused by is stress, which of course can be one of the reasons why you're working long hours. But here's the thing, stress comes in many, many forms. Obviously, it can correlate with working long hours, especially if you're working long hours because you are stressed or you are still working long hours because you're stressed rather than feeling fully aligned. Like There are so many reasons why we work long hours. Some are good things. I have people in my community. Now, I'm a big believer in time off and time out. I know that my productivity drops massively after 35 hours. I don't always manage to stay under 35. I try. Like, and if I do over 35, I try and make it very admin-y because there's just like no point in doing more than that. Very, very careful. Um, I know I do have people in my network who work 80-hour weeks and they're not burnt out. For them, that is their soul-aligned work. Like, they can't not do it. Now, I actually think there are some issues with that in the sense of I think hobbies really help us to process and to have ideas and innovations. But they're not burnt out is the thing I want you to hear, right? (laughs) What does cause burnout is the stress, feeling unaligned. Actually, one of the leading causes I'm very passionate about tackling in our community is imposter syndrome. It's why I have that free ditch the self-doubt mini training if you haven't checked that out go to tonycollis.com forward slash dtsd for ditch the self-doubt i will make sure that links in the show notes (laughs) i'm so passionate about getting giving all of us the tools and techniques that we need to deal with imposter syndrome because it can lead to burnout it was potentially one of the biggest causes of burnout and stress in my career up until i put in place a toolkit to deal with it when you don't feel fully aligned with something, and your self-worth, your value is low, when you have hesitancy, you're second-guessing yourself, you change your mind and worry that you've backed yourself into a corner, or, you know, the classic superwoman of needing to do it all yourself, all those imposterism feelings ultimately increase your stress levels. And not just on a short-term basis. So a little bit of stress, as we all know, is not a bad thing. Um, as a public speaker, I get stressed. Oh, I haven't done this for a while, but if I'm stood on stage in front of 5,000 people, believe me, there's some stress going on. <laughs> a little bit of stress is a good thing, but for a short period of time, that high level background stress is 
so bad for our health, as I'm sure you know. Cortisol levels at a high level causes inflammation, um, it reduces our ability to fight disease. It, there's so many things going on, and ultimately it becomes self-fulfilling. The more stressed you are long term, the less productive you are, the less good you are, the less rational you are and able to make good decisions. Um, it's actually potentially one of the causes of um, people staying in poverty. Of course, this is a bit of a tricky subject to dive into in like 30 seconds. But the amount of stress people feel when they are in a poverty state, they don't feel that they have the ability to make decisions. And they therefore make less good decisions, which is why I really, really hate it when people say, oh, we can't trust these people to make decisions. No, I know we've made them and we've perpetuated that situation. They don't have the resources to lift themselves out of the stress to be able to make good decisions, right? So you can see like stress becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The other cause of stress that I see, which is one of the reasons I really built the academy around a particular model, is when we backtrack in our careers unintentionally. Now, what do I mean by that? You've heard me on the podcast before, probably, if you've listened to a few episodes, talk about the seasons of your career. I talk about three seasons. The builder, that's when you are happily in a job. You're not looking for a new job right now, but um, you should be looking at what's going to come next and how to put in place the tools and techniques and skills and experience to be ready when you are ready to move into season two, the advancer. The advancer is when you are actively looking right now for a promotion or a new job, some sort of transition, some sort of change. You're looking for the next thing. If you haven't done the work in Builder, you're like, oh my gosh, I need a new job. I'm really frustrated, whatever it is. And you get to Advancer and then you realize you're not ready. And the number of women I know who, huge source of stress is, they were so convinced they're ready for a promotion, but they hadn't done the groundwork in Builder. So they they make the case for a promotion and it gets kicked back in their face such a huge source of stress moving back into builder the third season transitioner which is when you are transitioning you've got that new job you've got that promotion you're what there's all sorts of transitions that go on right in our careers but that transitioner and again if we haven't done the right work in the advances I've known people who get promotions who actually haven't done the groundwork to be ready to transition like they might have the promotion but they didn't as part of that set expectations with their teams and with their peers around like what that's going to be like makes transition really hard and sometimes those things get taken off it so there's, a, there's some regret in the management and that's, that does happen it breaks my heart but these three seasons the reason I talk about seasons is because you think about the seasons of the year you expect them to progress you expect them to go from spring to summer to autumn to winter and background again now, we do get the odd day of, especially in Scotland, we get the odd day when I, we can get all four seasons in a year in Scotland. Like It's one of the um, interesting things about this climate. But in, in reality, we only expect like a couple of days a little bit out of whack. We don't expect to go from summer all the way back to early spring, back into winter. We expect to go through autumn and go around it clockwise. Right, I'm not sure it's clockwise. <laughs> Is there a clockwise direction for the season? But you know what I mean? There's an expected route round, right? If in our seasons of our career, we're forced to go backwards, it feels wrong. It doesn't feel right or aligned. And it is such an enormous source of stress. And so one of the things I talk about in the academy is use these seasons as a framework. Make sure you've got all the pieces of the puzzle in place in the season you're in. So you know you are going to thrive in the next season. 
And when you do that, you actually move forwards faster, but in more alignment without as much stress and without burnout. And that's the thing. A lot of people think, oh my gosh, if I move forwards faster, it's going to be more stressful. No, 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 it's not. (laughs) That again is not the source of stress. That is again a burnout myth. Moving forwards faster, if it's aligned, can be extraordinary. It's why I talk about move forwards faster, because it can feel so good. Being held back when you know that you should be further forward, for whatever reason, whether it's something we're telling ourselves, whether it's something we're being told by someone else, that's the source of stress and ultimately burnout. Uh, I have worked with so many women over the years who've been forced to backtrack in their careers, essentially going backwards through those seasons. And it always, always amounts to stress and burnout. And that's really what I want you to take away today. Burnout is not about working crazy hours. It's not about moving forwards too fast. It's not about having things put on us. It is caused by stress. Stress comes in many different ways, but mostly, ultimately, it comes from poor alignment for something in your career. Something is not properly aligned something doesn't feel right, something is going against the forward momentum that you feel that you should have, whether consciously or unconsciously. A couple of the women who are working with me right now are in advance, so they're ready to go for that next role, that next job. Um, After a promotion, in fact, the two women I think of in particular, although I have many um, in the academy going after promotions. And it is so common that this is a season of burnout because they're told they're not ready. They basically find their organization, views them as not being ready or actually ultimately never being ready for promotion. And at that point, you face a decision. And it's a very fine line to navigate the stress and avoid burnout in this situation. It would be very easy to give up, to settle for what you have right now, to just be like, okay, I'm, I'm not ready. You know what? I've got a cushy job. It pays okay. It pays the bills. I'm going to stick it out because I want to work for this organization. They have good perks. They have good family leave. They, you know, match my 401k, whatever it is. Like, I know I've convinced myself to stay in a job far longer than I should have because the employer talked a lot about how much flexibility we had and how much freedom we had compared to other employers. And I didn't know enough to know better. I actually stayed in that job for a while. This is something I've never admitted before in public. (laughs) I stayed in that job for a while because they had amazing maternity benefits. And at this point, I didn't know if I wanted children, but I couldn't, I was so scared to give up that and to move to something that wouldn't give me the same benefits. And it turns out I haven't had children, but I was crippled by this anxiety of, oh my gosh, but if I gave that up, like, oh my gosh, that's a whole thing there. Now, the reality was like, okay, somewhere else might not have such good maternity benefits, but they had other benefits that outweighed that such as increased pay I could have taken an unpaid leave and still been better off so I, I really want you to ask yourself if you are being told that you're not ready for promotion but you feel that you have to stay in your current organization I want you to ask yourself why why one of the ladies in one of the coaching groups I'm running in the academy she said something very pertinent she said you can have both you can have all that great stuff, the great salary and the promotion. Why do you think you have to choose? And she hit the nail on the head when she was talking to this other lady in the group. You can have a great job. You can have a great title and you can have the perks that you're after. A lot of the time when we feel stuck, we don't realize that we have a choice, that there are other options because 
our blinkers are on, right? We don't see those other things. If the blinkers have convinced us there's nothing else available to us, you don't have to choose. In you don't well, you don't have to choose to stay, even though in the moment you feel that you should. And ultimately, again, comes all the way back to hitting the nail on the head around this burnout myth. Burnout is not about working crazy hours. It's that underlying cause. It's the stress. You could be in job, and this is this was me. You could be in a job where you don't have to work crazy hours because, and that's one of the things you're holding on to, right? It's one of the things that you've convinced yourself is the good thing about this job. But if you're unaligned, if you're not getting promoted, and even though you know you should be or you need to be for happiness in your career, for success in your career, to feel aligned, you are convincing yourself to stay stuck because you're afraid of something that's not true. You're afraid that moving somewhere else is going to mean crazy hours which will lead to burnout when actually you're already in burnout right now. I've had I've had this conversation with myself, with so many others over the years, and that's why I wanted to put this episode together because I think with September, uh, a lot of people are now on the job hunt. We're looking for that next opportunity. We're having these conversations. We're looking at, do I want this by the end of the year? Because, you know, and then come January, a lot of performance reviews happen. You want to see what your options are before the end of the year, right? And the number of conversations I'm having with women who are saying, I kind of want to move just been told I'm not going to get promoted, but I'm scared of moving because this ticks these boxes. And I'm ultimately, they don't always say the word burnout, but a lot of them are either saying the word burnout or they're saying, I'm worried that like if I take something elsewhere that I'm going to be burnt out. That's really what they're saying, not necessarily in those words. And I just really want you to hear that right now, if you're unaligned, then if you aren't burnt out already, that's likely to come. <laughs> so one of the things I want to dig into first is stress comes when we don't think we have a choice. And I think a lot of the stories I've been telling you are about women thinking that they don't have a choice or that the choice doesn't feel like they really have a choice. It doesn't seem like a choice. If you can really decide that you actually have a choice in front of you, even if you choose the same direction that you're currently on, right? You don't change your choice, but you recognize it truly is a choice. Your stress will diminish, even if you stay on the same path, because you are choosing for this to be the path you're on. You're saying, you know what? I've waited up and this is the choice I want to make, rather than it feeling like, oh my gosh, I don't have a choice about this. It sounds odd and completely improbable, but believe me, if you can recognize you are at a crossroads and that you do have a choice at this crossroads and that you genuinely are leaning into a direction instead of feeling that you have no choice of direction, it will bring down your stress. Which brings me to how I want to wrap up this episode. I have five tips for you today to help you navigate away from burnout and navigate away from that unaligned stress that causes burnout. The first one is choice. Realize you have more choice than you think you do. So we've just talked about that a fair amount, but quite simply, the most important tool, which is why it's number one in your toolkit for navigating away from stress and burnout is realizing you have a choice. You have a choice whether to get up in the morning. You do, right? Because you realize it's a choice you want to make for whatever reason, but you have a choice. You have a choice as to whether or not to feed your kids and take them to school. You probably don't think you do, but you do right? You have a choice whether or not you do something horrific, whether you murder someone, right? There are people that choose to murder people. 
you don't. Well, I'm hoping you don't if you listen to this podcast. <laughs> we all have choices. Most of the time, we don't view them as choices. We don't view it as a choice not to murder someone. And we just, that's obvious. But it is a choice, which is why there are laws around it, right? You get to choose not to break the law, right? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. You have far more choice than you think you do. So recognize it. Recognize you are choosing to stay in this situation rather than exploring the alternative. Or recognize you have a choice and choose the other path. Number two, stop telling yourself that burnout is caused by working hard. This is kind of the point of the entire episode, and I know it's a hard one. I have clients who hang on to this, and just when we think we've ditched this limiting belief. Now, as you know, I do not believe you should work crazy hours, but it is a limiting belief, and it causes stress and anxiety in its own right. And so these clients, just when we think we've really dealt with it, um, something will come up again. And a few months later, the source of anxiety will come back. And I, I hear those same kind of words. They're scared of what taking on new responsibilities will mean in terms of burnout. Rather than recognizing that actually crazy hours does not equal burnout. And while they sit in that mental headspace, it's it's so debilitating. It is anxiety-inducing. It doesn't mean you should agree to work those crazy hours, but if you're convinced that that way lies burnout, you will get anxiety from that. Believe me, I know this one personally. As someone who fought anxiety and worry for years, the most debilitating thing was when I was worried about being worried. Yes, I am that person. I worry about being worried. It's like crippling. This meta level of anxiety telling me that, oh my gosh, I'm worried and I know that's a bad thing and I'm not sleeping and it's all because of the worry. It just becomes self-fulfilling. So I really want you to let go of the idea that burnout is caused by long hours. That's a symptom, not a cause. Correlation, not cause and effect. You're a scientist, my love, if you're hearing this. As a technologist, you have some scientific training, I'm sure. Correlation, not cause and effect. That's the myth that I really am debunking in today's episode. Now, as you kind of heard here, it doesn't just miraculously go away with a click of the fingers. But I want you to first accept that this is something that you're telling yourself that is a story that's not true. Every time your brain goes to working hard, crazy hours, burnout, I want you to be like, oh, that's a story I'm telling myself. It's not actually true. There will be time and a place for truly letting go of this. Some people, they let go of it straight away. And as you've just heard, sometimes it comes up over and over again. I'm still a recovering warrior. Like, I'm not sure I'm ever going to fully let go of some of those worry symptoms I have. What I have now is tools and techniques to deal with it. But the first step is recognizing there is something you can change there. Stop telling yourself that burnout is caused by working hard and crazy long hours. Step number three, learn to triage like a medic. Now, caveat on this one, a lot of medics, whether they're doctors, nurses, or other experts, do burn out, right? I'm not saying that they don't burn out. In fact, mental health crisis in the medical profession is, is a crisis that the entire world needs to own up to right now because, you know, with COVID, big problems. Anyway, breaks my heart, but let's not go into that one in detail because I could talk about it all day. But one thing medics have to learn straight out of medical school, in fact, they learn it in medical school, is the art of triage. It's one that allows them to do their jobs well and thrive when they can. And one of the problems I see so many of us facing in tech, probably every industry, to be honest, is when things are stressful and life is throwing stuff at us, everything becomes labeled as urgent and important unconsciously. Like, we don't even think about it. We just treat everything the same. Something lands in your inbox, whether it's a request to give a quote for something three months down the line or preparing a review for your team that's yesterday 
they all come in with that same emotional red flag attached to them, waving like everything is urgent and important. One of the first things I work on with new one-on-one clients is changing their mindset around fighting fires from fires to matters arising. Now, I was actually told by one of the groups last week in the academy, she was, um, they said, matters arising, that sounds very British. <laughs> I know, and there might be a better phrase. I like matters arising. It's kind of what comes up when you run a board meeting or something like that. You quite often will have matters arising on the agenda. But either way, it's it's changing that emotional context. When you talk about fires and having to put them out, it's urgent and important. And so anything that comes up that day emotionally gets labeled with urgent and important rather than being treated the way it needs to be treated, which is, okay, it's come up, needs to be dealt with, but um, the world's not going to end. Nobody's dying. Moving away from firefighting to matters rising is a simple mindset shift that can allow you to really back up and learn to triage effectively. Putting time in your calendar every day to deal with that. I always say to my clients, you know that certain things are going to come up every day. You can't predict what they are, but you know you're going to spend two hours every day dealing with these matters rising. Put two hours a day in your calendar. Make it non-negotiable. Like, just do it, (laughs) Rather than filling your calendar with eight hours of meetings and then all these fires happen and you have to cancel meetings and then people get upset. Oh, worse, you don't cancel meetings and you're dealing with this between the meetings, right? Give yourself the space you need to deal with the stuff that you know is going to come up every day. And then spend 10 minutes every day categorizing urgent, not urgent, important, not important. And by the way, if it's not urgent and not important, it's not on your to-do list. Get rid of it. (laughs) Okay, step number four. Decide on your number one professional priority and your number one personal priority. You should only ever have one priority in each part of your life, your professional work and your personal stuff. Ideally, these are aligned. And actually, one of the things I want you to work on in your career is moving to a job where you're in full alignment. Your personal priorities and your professional priorities really overlap. So you are working on yourself and it happens to benefit the business. That's a longer discussion for another day. But here's the reality of our lives right now. You may be going after a promotion, but while you live in a whirlwind of busy and overwhelmed and not knowing how to triage, everything is going to be treated as urgent and important, as I've just mentioned. And so you find that you're never doing the work on that promotion. That applies to going for new jobs too. In fact, you end up convincing yourself you shouldn't go after that new opportunity because you aren't coping with the current one. Do you see where I'm going here? That way lies the myth of I don't have time because that's going to be more work, more hours, and their life burnout. The same applies to our professional priorities. You have a big scary project on your to-do list. It's, it's something that's going to need deep work. You need to take it apart nobody's giving you time for it. You just know it's the thing that actually is going to move the needle. You know it's important, but your boss isn't bringing it up every week. They just bring it up once a quarter when they ask why you haven't done it. So you know it's pending. You know it's looming on the horizon. And you know you need to make time to focus on it. Maybe you need your team to focus on it too. Whatever it is, you're living in the whirlwind of your inbox though. Everything is treated as urgent and important. And so you get to the end of the day and think, I didn't work on that today. You get to the end of the week and think, I didn't work on that. You get to the point where you need to give your boss an update after not talking about it for a month and you haven't made any progress. You have this pressure, but no time to focus on it. And here's the thing, that is such a huge source of stress. I have been there. I have totally been there. Like 
I, everything was urgent and important that was coming in and it didn't give me the time to do my deep work. And so nothing was moving on the thing that was actually paying my salary because there were so many things pending all the time. I didn't prioritize the one thing that actually was important to the organization because of all the noise that was happening. And I see this at every single level of our careers, whether it's early in your career or as a senior leader, at some point we all face this. It is a leading source of burnout stress. You have this pressure, but no time to focus. So decide what is the number one priority for you and your team. Then ensure every single day has time set aside for it. Decide what that needs to be. If you know it's going to take one week of elapsed effort over the space of eight weeks, do the math. That's one eighth of your day or one eighth of your week. Honestly, if you are struggling to find time and you're not in the habit of deep work, even though one eighth of your week would be better in terms of chunking your work and to do it as one eighth of your week rather than one eighth of your day, I'd actually recommend doing one eighth of your day initially until you build up a deep work habit because that's a different tactic. That's a hard habit to learn if you're not in the habit of doing that. Don't build in too many changes at once. Build in the first change, which is I'm going to spend one eighth of my day working on this. Set that as an expectation and then you can build on the deep work thing, which is a whole other tactic. <laughs> build up, start spending an hour each day if you know that's what's going to take and make sure it happens. So you are always moving the needle on the thing that makes success inevitable. And same applies to your personal priority. If you know you have one, make sure you take action every single day. Uh, one of the things I've done with a couple of my clients who are struggling with building the case for a promotion is I will have a check-in with them every single day. Like, what are you doing? What what are you going to do in your 10 minutes of personal professional development today? And by personal professional development, I mean their promotion case or job hunt. 10 minutes, that's all, right? But they move the needle every single day, right? <laughs> Make sure you take action every day until you can train yourself in the deep work mode. That means you can take significant action in one sitting at a week, which is going to be more productive if you have the ability to get into deep work mode. And then the final piece of this puzzle, step number five to ditching the burnout. Use positive journaling. Now, if you've listened to my podcast before, you know I'm probably a fan of journaling, right? I don't want you to make this into a big, huge thing. I want you literally to take five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening too. Firstly, write down what you've accomplished. Secondly, what happened in the day that's allowing you to process. And thirdly, what are you grateful for? It's really important you finish off with what you're grateful for. This is a simple tool, but so incredibly powerful, giving you perspective and the ability to process your stress triggers. Five minutes, twice a day, that's it. It's a habit. So it, like with all good habits, like whether exercise, eating healthy, getting a good, good night's sleep, all those things, obviously they're the first thing to go when we're stressed. But in the same way that exercise, we know it's good for us and it helps us deal with the stress. This is the same kind of thing. So you are going to have to work at building this habit Promise yourself you're going to try it for 30 days. Give it a go. Five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening. If you don't have five minutes twice a day, we have a bigger problem, my love. We need to chat. <laughs> like Seriously, we need to chat if you can't find 10 minutes in your day to do this because this is a game changer. So use positive journaling twice a day. Okay, so you've got your five steps. Let's just recap. Number one, recognize the choices you have and the choices you are making for what they are choices. Number two, stop telling yourself that burnout is caused by working hard. The entire point of this episode. Step number three, learn to triage like a medic. Understand, important, not important, 
urgent and not urgent. And get rid of anything that's not important and not urgent. Shouldn't be on your list. Number four, decide on your number one professional priority and your number one personal priority. Make sure that you act on them every single day and ideally work towards a place where those two things are aligned. And step number five, use positive journaling. Five minutes, twice a day to shift your mindset. I'd love to know if you're using these tools already. Are they working for you? Are you resisting them? Oh, a lot of what I do as a coach is work through resistance, why we're resisting doing something. So let me know, pop over to LinkedIn, send me a DM. You can also email me at support at tonycollis.com. I would love to know if you're resisting any of these or if you've tried something that didn't work, why you think it didn't work. Let me get you one start, my love. Like burnout is just not fun for anyone. But let's finish up with a leadership mindset moment. In case you're new around here, what is a leadership mindset moment? Well, it's an actionable tip to help you adjust how you act or think to make it easier to up level on the topic of the podcast today. So today I'm talking about giving yourself permission. In particular, permission to feel the way you feel. I know, like you might be like, what has this got to do with burnout? Let me explain. This really comes down to the one around choice. If you want to recognize you have a choice, if you want to move into space of triaging and acknowledging that you will have matters arising every day and that's okay. In fact, all the things I've talked about today, you need to be okay with how you feel right now. If you're spending your time telling yourself that you don't have the time for burnout and failure and that it's bad to feel this way, you don't really feel this way and it's childish, whatever words come into your head, I've heard them all. (laughs) You are going to stay in that emotional space, believe me. I want you to allow yourself to hurt. I want you to allow yourself to be upset, to be stressed. Um, One of the coaches I have right now, I have more than one coach, one of the coaches I have right now, she's actually told me I need to learn to cry again. I stopped crying for such a long time. I am the one that's gone and cried in the restroom after a bad meeting. I am the person who's hidden for half an hour, just trying to get myself together, telling myself I don't have time to cry. Yeah, that was me. And for the last couple of years, you know, my life is pretty good right now. I really tried to not let myself cry, right? There are tough things going on in my life. I won't deny that. I love my job. I love my business. But, you know, my father, I've talked about this on the podcast before, my father has Alzheimer's and it's heartbreaking, right? There are tough things. Not everything goes tickety-boo for everybody. In fact, I would argue everybody has something that's not going well, which is why I have coaches. (laughs) And I just, I realize I don't cry. And so my coach has been like, I want you to feel those feels and I want you to be okay with crying and allow it to come out. And you know what happens? Like, I used to be afraid of crying because I always felt like I just felt worse. But that's because I didn't have the tools and techniques to allow myself to then move forwards. What I've now learned is I do have tools and techniques. That's what I've been building in my career and my business. It's why I now help other women with. But we have to all start at the place of giving ourselves permission to feel the way we feel. For me, that means I need to cry every now and then. I want you to allow yourself to be hurt, to be upset, to be stressed. Don't make it wrong. And then once you've accepted how you feel, once you've had that good cry, if that's what you need, whatever it is that you need to allow yourself to feel the way you feel, then you can use the five steps I've talked about today to move forwards. But if you push those feelings away before using the five steps, or if you if you just say, oh, I don't have time and then go straight to the five steps, I can pretty much guarantee you're going to stay feeling the way you do right now. 
I want you to allow yourself to feel. Give yourself a whole lot of love and then help yourself by putting in place the tools and techniques to help. Not because you are somehow a bad and broken person for feeling this way or that you shouldn't feel this way, but because you are ready to take action, to feel differently. Okay? Loads of love. If you are listening to this one and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, I need to have a cry, go off and cry. Give yourself 10 minutes or half an hour, whatever you can give yourself, actually. A good cry can take a while. (laughs) Sometimes we feel like we don't have that space in the workday. But give yourself time. If you need to, go and tell your spouse, I just need some time by myself. Um, By the way, I have to warn my husband I'm going for a good cry. (laughs) Otherwise, he thinks he needs to come and fix it because it's about him. It's never about him. Um, Well, very rarely anyway. Um, So if you have that kind of spouse and you know you need some time by yourself or you want to be with them so that you've got that support, but you don't want them trying to fix it, tell them. (laughs) Um, One of the things I've learned is if, if I have a good cry, my cats get upset sometimes like it's nice to have them around me they kind of get a level of anxiety they like check on us more if one of us is upset it's quite funny in a very delightful way and so if I'm if that is going to cause me additional anxiety I will shut myself in a room away from the cats as well so I understand the ramifications if that's what you need to do I'm a thinker right I have to think through everything if you know that this is going to trigger something that's going to be then more triggering to you give yourself the space and protection you need then allow yourself to feel all the feels, my love. And then once you've done that, then you can use the five steps I've talked about today. That's it for today's episode. If you've enjoyed today's episode, and in particular with this one, I feel so strongly about this burnout myth about working crazy hours. If this has resonated with you, I would appreciate it so much if you shared this one on social media, with your community, with a particular woman who you think needs to hear this today. Because you know, I think if we as a community can learn how to deal with this better, everything else is going to be easier for all of us. Because if we are less stressed, if we have less burnout, because we've dealt with it for ourselves, we can be there for other people better. So I think this is a big one. If you've if this has resonated with you, go share it with the women in your life who need to hear it. Oh, sometimes the man in your life, just because we're called leading women in tech doesn't mean this isn't applied to men. That's it for today. Uh, if you want any of the links that I've mentioned today, whether it's the Academy or Ditch Yourself Doubt, you can find those in the show notes or head over to tonycollis.com forward slash episode 66. Until next time, remember, stay on your tech leisure game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.